Welcome. Welcome to Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report this Sunday evening. I'm Janine Moloff, the producer and your host. Uh, last week, uh, we were privileged to have our founder, Rick Spizak, um, fill in for me. I was a little under the weather, and we, you know, it's always great to have Rick back on the show anyway. He's the one that brought me into this in the first place. I had never done broadcasting before, and he just kind of eased me into it, and um, for that, I'm immensely grateful. So if you checked um, our ad, and keep in mind, all our shows are archived, so if you miss the live show, you can always, you know, listen to it at any time, you know, per your leisure. So this day, this evening before Halloween, I felt it was appropriate to have a Halloween show. So the headline is PNN, Progressive News Network, Halloween Terror as GOP Lies about Social Security and other things. So I'm going to speak to the real GOP of Republican terrorism as the grand old party, as it used to be called, works feverishly to dismantle Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid. Uh, and keep in mind, Social Security in particular is the only retirement most Americans will ever see. Keep in mind also, as you'll find throughout the course of the show, that Social Security is not welfare. It doesn't add anything to the national debt. In fact, Social Security has absolutely nothing to do with the debt. It is an independent, standalone program. It is insurance, period. You pay into it, you're entitled to receive your benefits. That's it. It's no different from any other insurance policy except the federal government guarantees it. But, of course, the very rich and the Republicans in particular want to defraud all of us and steal our money. Now, as much fun as it would be to blame all of this on Trump, this goal has been going on since the inception of Social Security when FDR fought to create it. And that was back, I believe, in 1934. But, you know, of course the Republicans, the GOP, has to lie about the program. But as I said a minute ago, the lies began long ago. And the most effective lies in, I'd say, the 20th century came with, guess what, a statesperson that, that the Republicans have whitewashed and made to look like he was a good guy when he wasn't, and that's Ronald Reagan. Uh, and those lies continue to the present day with Donald Trump, with Florida Senator Rick Scott, who is also the head of the GOP Senate Committee, Senator Marco Rubio, another Florida senator, Newt Gingrich, who can't stay out of anything, and, and so many others. Uh, and this is not going to be just one show. That's the thing. We're going to be talking about this quite a bit off and on. So, you know, earlier this past year, your Florida Senator, Rick Scott, presented an 11-point plan, and we discussed this on another show, but we're going to revisit it, which would achieve the goal of destroying not only Social Security, Medicare and Medicaid, but any other law they didn't like. And the 11-point plan is filled with lies, lies, and more damn lies. And just when you think the Republicans couldn't lie anymore, well... Just, just when you think they couldn't lie anymore, more lies. I'm going to delve into Rick Scott's uh, criminal history 
as well during his reign uh, as the head of Columbia HCA. You know, keep in mind, Columbia HCA was uh, prosecuted by the feds, and it is and and they lost. They were convicted, and it is the uh, largest case in terms of Medicare and Medicaid fraud in the history of the programs. The only reason Rick Scott wasn't convicted is because he took the fifth 75 times. Now, one thing I want to point out very simply is this. You have a right to take the fifth. That's true. But a prosecutor that was really on the ball would have done something very simple to compel Rick Scott to testify, grant him a certain amount of immunity so he's forced to testify. That's it. Game over. And he would not have had a political career at all. But we're going to discuss how this 11-point plan ties in with an earlier plan by Donald Trump, or the Donald, which also would have destroyed Social Security by 2026. We're just going to mention that a little bit. We're not going to go into a lot of depth on that one. That will be for other shows, but we're going to get into it. Finally, I'm going to explain the truth about these programs, especially Social Security, uh, with information from a group called Social Security Works. Uh, and it explains the facts. It was founded by Nancy Altman, who I believe is a tax attorney. And once again, there's facts. You know, for too long, the corporate media has pushed the lie of what I call false equivalencies, and this has to stop. And it starts today, though. Um, I was watching this week with George Stephanopoulos, and uh, Martha Raddatz was filling in for George Stephanopoulos. And she was um, interviewing Rick Scott. And this was about the, um, the violence of the GOP under Trump. And Rick Scott sat there and calmly, you know, calmly reiterated all the talk, same talking points that Marjorie Taylor Greene was giving, that um, giving, that DeSantis was giving, no difference whatsoever. All right. Basically, Rick Scott, you know, likes other people doing the dirty work for him. He echoed those talking points. And it was basically what I'll call fascism with a smiley face. And, you know, Rick Scott did denounce the violence that was was witnessed by the world on January 6th. But Martha Raddatz failed to do her job. She failed to point out the fact that Rick Scott, like so many other Republicans, has committed economic violence against the non-rich. She sat there and she let Rick Scott um, basically run the same talking points. She never once questioned him. Okay? Not at all. All Raditz did was cover the horse race. Nothing more. She never once said the phrase that would actually ignite terror into any political liar's uh, soul. Namely, cite your source. Or to put it bluntly, cite your effing source. But once again... Martha Raddatz didn't do anything, and to me, Martha Raddatz's failure to do her due diligence as an alleged journalist was beyond the pale, but it was also very indicative of corporate media, just was. You know, frankly, she let Rick Scott get away with that crap. She was no better than Fox. 
that that's just my point. And I looked up her her um, bio, and you know, don't quote me on this one. I'll have to double check, but it looks like Martha Raddatz did go to school for journalism, but she, I don't believe she ever completed her degree. Kind of interesting. So anyway, once again, the t- she never once issued the four terrifying words that any Republican, any politician that's trying to basically get away with a lie, in this instance, a lot, the lie, even the lie of false equivalencies is equivalencies that, let me start again, even the lie of false equivalencies, and that is very simply, cite your effing source. There is no way I would have let Rick Scott get away with that stuff. None. But she sat there calmly and she let that liar keep lying. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Okay? And that's part of the problem with mainstream media. We have too many false equivalencies. It has to stop. So let's get into our stories for today. Okay? So, you know, once again, this is what we're dealing with. So first of all, you know, I said that basically there been so many lies about Social Security. And one of the big ones was not only from Ronald Reagan, but how Ronald Reagan pushed a reform bill that basically authorized the taxation of Social Security benefits. Okay? And why did he do that? So he could grant the rich and powerful more tax cuts. Nothing else. It had no legitimacy. And so I have this article here. It's from fedsmith.com. The headline is Ronald Reagan and the Great Social Security Heist, as in, you know, robbery. It's by Dr. Alan W. Smith, Ph.D. Dr. Smith is a professor of economics at Eastern Illinois University. He has been there for 30 years. Let's go to that piece right there. Okay. Let's see what's going on here. So this author says that many of the Social Security amendments, Alan Smith, that is, passed during the Reagan years, really created the foundation for what he called, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quote this here, actually. Dr. Smith, this is, the headline is Ronald Reagan and the Great Social Security Heist. Quote, the author says that the Social Security amendments passed under Reagan's presidency laid the foundation for 30 years of embezzlement of the trust funds, end quote. Embezzlement. We paid into this fund from our first day at work. It is not part of the regular budget. It has not, therefore has nothing to do with the debt. It is a standalone program. Our representatives had no goddamn right to screw with it. That's fraud, and this is embezzlement. And as I said, Alan W. Smith, Ph.D., professor of economics at Eastern Illinois University for 30 years. Okay? So I'm just going to read from this quote. Ronald Reagan was one of the most popular presidents in modern history. As a former Hollywood actor, he had an uncommon degree of of charisma. The conservatives absolutely loved Reagan for his efforts to reduce the size of government, but most liberals hated him with a passion. Reagan is still revered by a lot of Americans. This reverence for Ronald Reagan helps to explain how he was able to fool most of the American people to a degree unparalleled by any other modern president, end quote. Dr. Smith goes on to say, quote, with the help of Alan Greenspan, 
Reagan pulled off one of the greatest frauds ever perpetrated against the American people, end quote. And it's true. So on apparently, according to this article, on April 20th, 1983, there was a signing ceremony. Uh, Ronald Reagan and the Republicans had pushed this big lie that Social Security was, you know, really headed to financial ruin. And they couldn't figure out a single solution except to tax the benefits that these people had paid into all their lives. Okay? Um, and Dr. Smith calls it a day of shame, as, as well it should be considered. Uh, the Social Security Amendments of 1983, as I said before, that created the foundation for, quote, 30 years of federal embezzlement of Social Security money in order to use the money to pay for wars, tax cuts, and other government programs, end quote. Okay? This article goes on to say, quote, I'm reading straight from it, quote, the payroll tax hike of 1983 generated a total of $2.7 trillion, with a T, in surplus Social Security revenue. This surplus revenue was supposed to be saved and invested in marketable U.S. Treasury bonds that would be held in the trust fund until the baby boomers began to retire in about 2010. But not one dime of that money went to Social Security, end quote. Okay? Think about that for a minute. Not one dime. Now we have millennials that don't believe they're going to have it either. And the fact is, this is total bull anyway. Um, so the, the scheme to defraud us and tax those benefits that we've paid into. Okay, we already paid the tax. Now we're being taxed on the tax. But not not rich people, just the rest of us. And Greenspan was key to this heist. And then what happened a few years later? Greenspan became chairman of the Federal Reserve. He was uh, uh, rewarded by Reagan. Okay? This is nonsense. All right? Um, now, I'm going to go on with this particular piece, uh, quoting from it, reading straight from it again, quote, President Reagan and his advisors knew from the very beginning that the government would soon face a severe cash shortage. Budget Director David Stockman had deliberately rigged the computer at the Office of Management and Budget to generate bogus revenue forecasts in an effort to convince Congress to enact Reagan's unaffordable proposed tax cuts, end quote. According to the article, Reagan needed a new source of revenue. He wasn't going to tax the rich. So they raised the payroll tax, generated more revenue, okay? And this increase in Social Security taxes, um, easier to do than, say, raise income tax. And, um, you know, once again, not a penny of this went back into the fund. In essence, the Republicans... And probably some Democrats as well. Right now we're looking at the Republicans. They've been stealing from this from day one. Okay? According to the article, uh, Social Security was not, quote, teetering on the edge of bankruptcy, end quote, like uh, as Reagan claimed in 1981. Um, Let's see now. They were worried about the baby boomers once again. Keep in mind... When you pay into Social Security, 
the more workers pay into it, the more stable the fund is. Okay? Reagan constantly referred to Social Security as a welfare program. It is not. It is insurance. FDR created it that way on purpose so that the, what he called the economic royalist could not steal from it. That was the theory. Because when you take money from an insurance program and you take it fraudulently, that's insurance fraud. It's a federal felony. And I really would love to see DOJ go after Rick Scott and the others if they get their way on what they want to do with it. Um, so anyway, Reagan um, scared everybody. And keep in mind, you know, I had friends back then, and they thought Reagan was the best thing since sliced bread. I hated his guts. Okay. He was just peddling a lot of, well, a lot of bullshit, frankly. All right? It, the facts didn't pan out. But Congress passed what they called the Social Security Amendments of 1983. There was a big increase in the payroll tax rate. Okay? Uh, the public was lied to, and they were told that the surplus money would be saved and invested again in safe U.S. Treasury bonds that are marketable, and that those bonds could be sold later to raise cash to pay benefits to the boomers. That didn't happen. To put it bluntly, according to this article by Alan W. Smith, quote, the money was all deposited directly into the general fund, that means the regular budget, and used for non-Social Security purposes. Reagan spent every dime of the surplus Social Security revenue, which came in during his presidency, on general government operations. It goes on, quote, his successor, George H.W. Bush, used the surplus money as a giant slush fund, and both Bill Clinton, Democrat, and George W. Bush looted and spent all of the Social Security surplus revenue that flowed in during those presidencies, end quote. So if you think I'm being biased, I'm not. Bill Clinton's just as guilty as the Republicans. Just as guilty. And you can look this article up yourself. It's right there. So where did that extra money go to? It was supposed to go into, again, treasury bonds to fund the program into perpetuity. Instead, it was misdirected. It was put into the general fund. Now, people don't understand the difference between the general fund and Social Security. There's a big difference. Huh? Ah, excuse me. The general fund is the regular budget. The general fund is what they talk about. Uh, the general fund is where the deficit comes in. Social Security is a separate thing. It is a standalone program. It has nothing to do with the general fund, and Social Security monies were supposed to be kept separate. To commingle those monies is fraud, criminal fraud. But Reagan did it, George H.W. Bush did it, Bill Clinton did it, and George W. Bush did it. Okay. And then Barack Obama did a Social Security tax holiday shortly and commingled funds. I don't know if he took more than that, frankly. I don't want to be unfair. But, again, they've played so many games with this. So where did all this money go when they raised the payroll tax rate? Well, we're going to go into it, okay? Again, back to the article. Quote, the $2.7 trillion, with a T, which is alleged to be alleged to be in the trust fund, 
was all spent for wars, tax cuts for the rich, and other government programs. End quote. The, art, the article goes on to say, quote, if the money is repaid at some point in the future, we could say it was just borrowed. But no arrangements, none, no arrangements have been made to repay the money, and nobody in government is suggesting that the money should be repaid. So if it is never repaid, the money will definitely have been stolen, end quote. Again, this article is written by an economist, not by me. Okay. And, again, it's a serious problem now because Social Security is no longer running annual surpluses. Okay, the last annual surplus was in 2009, and it began running deficit, annual deficits in 2010. Okay, according to the article, quote, the cost of paying full Social Security benefits for 2010 exceeded Social Security's total tax revenue by $49 billion, end quote. You know, I'm 63. I'm looking into maybe taking it early. And what I found out really enraged me. Um, people that are maybe four or five years older than me, they can earn up to, I think, $4,700 additionally and not lose any of their Social Security. For my generation, it's 1700 Okay, and it, it, that's cost of living. That's difficult. Um, so the article goes on to say, quote, so how did the government pay full Social Security benefits in 2010. They borrowed $49 billion from China or one of our other creditors, and the amount that will have to be borrowed in future years will become larger and larger. If the trust fund had not been looted, you know, this is a quote, quote, if the trust fund had not been looted, there would be $2.7 trillion, with a T, of marketable U.S. Treasury bonds in the, fund, in the fund that could be sold in the open market for cash, but the trust fund doesn't hold a dime's worth of marketable or real assets of any kind, end quote. And that's why, according to this article, when Obama was in office, he warned uh, what he was talking about during the debt ceiling crisis of 11, that Social Security checks might not go out on time unless the dispute was settled. And he said, quote, because, quote, there might not be enough money in the coffers, end quote. So, once again, both Democrats and Republicans especially Republicans, stole from the fund because, once again, they wanted unaffordable tax cuts for the rich. That funded it. They wanted wars of empire. That funded it. And the fact is they should be forced to repay every cent. Okay? So, and even organizations like the AARP kind of continued a big lie as well. They just did. Um, why? Well, that's a good question. So, Alan W. Smith ends this article with the following quote. Quote, the government, not Social Security, is what is broken and needs to be fixed. It is time for the American people to stand their ground and fire the crooked politicians. President Obama and every member of Congress know that everything in this article is true, that they have succeeded in fooling the people for three decades and seem to think they can continue to do so. Don't let them get by with it, end quote. Okay. And this article was actually published in October 11th, 2014, but it's still relevant. 
that should actually enrage you right there. Take a little drink here. Now, just when you think, okay, that's bad right there. How can you fix it? Well, one of the ways you can fix Social Security is to lift the cap on earnings. You know, the cap on earnings uh, basically means you pay t- you pay uh, Social Security payroll taxes. I think on the first hundred and ten or hundred twenty-five thousand, and after that, rich people or affluent people don't pay any more. And that's nonsense. It just is. But let's let's move on. All right. So I wanted you to hear that. All right. So now. Go to the next little bit of tidbits here. Okay. Okay. So the first, next one is, this is an article, and it has to do with um, Donald Trump's plan in 2020 to also defund Social Security. I won't talk about it much, but I'll mention it. This is a piece um, that was written and put out by, by CAP, which is the Center for American Progress. The headline is Trump's plan to defund Social Security. And I'm just going to read this quote here. This this article is written by Seth Hanlon and Christian E. Weller. Okay? And you can look it up yourself. But according to this quote, permanently terminating the employee payroll tax along the lines President Trump has proposed would empty Social Security's trust fund by 2026 or earlier, end quote. I think that quote right there says all you need to know about Donald Trump's intentions regarding Social Security. If he was for it, he wouldn't have pushed for that. Okay? You end the payroll tax, and you have no way to fund it. You know, my generation paid in advance for our parents. Our kids are paying for us, and so on and so forth. Once again... This has been treated as a slush fund. Okay? Make no mistake about it. So let's look at what they say about Social Security. Let's look at frequently asked questions. There is, an, there is a group, and you can uh, look it up online. The group is called, it's a think tank called Social Security Works. And... They do excellent work here. Uh, I'm clicking on the About Us part. Give me a second. My computer's having a little bit of a breakdown here. Okay, so the mission of Social Security Works is to, and I'm reading straight from a quote, to protect and improve the economic security of disadvantaged and at-risk populations, to safeguard the economic security of those dependent now or in the future on Social Security, and to maintain Social Security as a vehicle of social justice, end quote. Okay, and this particular group, they um, fund their group. Uh, they get donations from the public. They also get grants from the Open Society Foundations, uh, the Retirement Research Foundation, Credo, and the what is it here? The Civic Participation Action Fund. Social Security uh, Works was funded, founded with a generous grant from Atlantic Philanthropies. Okay. Um, Eric Kingsen, Kingsen and Nancy Altman are the co-founders, and there's some really great people involved in here. So let's look at their frequently asked questions. I think this can answer a lot of things. So we know Social Security is not just for seniors, okay? It's also for disabled workers. Uh, if you have a loved one, 
whether it's a child or an adult, who is either physically disabled and can't work, medically disabled, or intellectually disabled, this is the this is the thing that keeps them going. Okay, this is what a decent society does. Make no mistake about it. Um, so once again, let's ask a few questions. Uh, one of the questions they ask are, why are Social Security's protections irreplaceable? And it says here, quote, the best part about Social Security benefits, I'm reading straight from this, is that in contrast to savings in a 401k or IRA, they never run out until surviving children become adults. Furthermore, in contrast to a pension, they are fully portable between jobs. And in contrast to both 401ks and IRAs and the vast majority of pensions, benefits are protected from erosion by inflation through the COLA, or the cost of living advance. This is important. Ah, excuse me. Uh, Take a little drink here. Anybody who's lost a job, okay, um, knows that if they're not fully vested, in their, um, if it offers a pension, haha, then it's lost. It's not portable. Um, and as for 401ks and IRAs, they've been touted as something great. But let's be honest about it, okay? Um, they're dependent on the stock market, okay? A lot of 401ks and IRAs, depending on how you invest, are involved in what's called derivatives, which are high risk. You could lose everything. Furthermore, public insurance, like Social Security, is protected, has more protections by law. You know, we saw what happened with Enron. Those people thought they were going to have a great pension, and it all got stolen out from under them. Okay? And you can look this stuff up yourself. One question they ask here, how important is Social Security for retirement? It says here, for most, quote, for most Americans, Social Security is essential for retirement. Just over three in five seniors rely on Social Security benefits for most of their income. And it goes on, all right? And it points out the fact that employer pension plans have been disappearing, and times are so hard that to try and accumulate savings in a 401k or an IRA is almost impossible. How is Social Security funded? Quote, Social Security's revenue was about $957 billion in 2016. The program has three sources of income. The largest source comes from workers and employers who contribute 6.2% each on wages up to $127,200 a year. This raises 87% of the total. The second source is investment income from Social Security's reserves, which are held in trust and invested in interest-bearing U.S. Treasury bonds. This raises 9% of total revenue. Finally, Social Security gets 3% of its revenue from the taxes that beneficiaries pay on their Social Security benefits, end quote. Okay? So we're demystifying how this program works. Okay? Uh, Excuse me. Ah. Sorry, folks. All right. Uh, The next question, this is a big one because this is what the Republicans are trying to pull. Quote, isn't Social Security the cause of our large federal deficit? Quote, not at all. Social Security has its own dedicated revenue stream described above, so it cannot contribute a penny to the federal deficit. I'm going to read that one again. The question is, isn't Social Security the cause of our large federal deficit? 
The answer is hell no. Not, quote, not at all. Social Security has its own dedicated revenue stream described above, so it cannot contribute a penny to the federal deficit. In fact, it currently enjoys a $2.8 trillion with a T surplus that will grow to $2.9 trillion by 2019. So this is a little old here, okay? All right, this document is a little older. Okay, but it also goes on to say Social Security, quote, is forbidden by law from borrowing, so it cannot deficit spend. Okay? I'm going to read that last one again because it's important. Quote, Social Security is forbidden by law from borrowing, so it cannot deficit spend. So next time you hear Rick Scott or DeSantis lie, call them out on it. Here's a question. Where does Social Security surplus go? Quote, Social Security surplus is in a trust fund that is invested in interest-bearing government bonds backed by the full faith and credit of the United States. That's where it's supposed to be. Okay, unfortunately, when you have multiple administrations, both Democrat and Republican, taking money from that trust fund, you know, once again, people need to be held accountable. Next question, isn't the trust fund just a bunch of IOUs? Okay, the answer, quote, no, unless you consider U.S. savings bonds mere IOUs or the green stuff in your wallet worthless because it too only has value because it is backed by the full faith and credit of the United States of America. The Social Security Trust Fund is fully invested in U.S. Treasury bonds. Okay. Next time you hear a Republican lying about it, call them out. Millennials, this affects you. I know you don't think it does, but it does. If this program goes belly up, mommy and daddy are going to be living with you. Or if they're helping you out, everyone's going to be in trouble. Next question, is Social Security going bankrupt? Quote, Social Security can never go bankrupt. Nearly all, 97% of its income, comes from the contributions of workers and employers or interest on these contributions. Hence, as long as there are workers in America, Social Security will have income. Even if Congress were to take no action... Social Security could pay 100, 100% of promised benefits for the next 17 years and more than three-quarters of benefits after that. Around 2034, there will be a modest funding gap requiring modest increases in revenues to guarantee everyone 100% of promised benefits. So why are the Republicans saying it's going broke? Well, because Wall Street wants that money. They want to steal the rest of it. That's it. Pure and simple. Has nothing to do with anything else. Well, next question. What's the best way to solve Social Security's long-range funding gap? Quote, we can close the vast majority of Social Security's funding gap by scrapping the payroll tax cap. Currently, millionaires and billionaires making payroll tax contributions on only the first $127,200 they make in annual wages. That means... Elon Musk only pays on the first uh, slightly over $127,000. That's it. Okay, it's ridiculous. Uh, if you ever notice, the rich love flat taxes. And it's not them being quirky. There's a reason behind it. They hate 
some sort of a graduated tax system. And because this has to do with proportion, okay? Consider the size of a full pie. You've got an eight-inch pie, and you've got four people at your dinner table. Now, let's say one of those people is two years old. They're not going to eat a whole fourth of it. And if they were going to contribute to making the pie, they would just contribute a little bit. So let's revise this analogy. You're going to make a pie. A two-year-old is only going to put in a little bit. A experienced uh, chef, bakery chef, is going to probably do most of it. This is about paying what is proportionally fair. 10% taxation, for instance, for somebody who is among the working poor hurts a lot more than 10% of, say, what Elon Musk has. That's it. There is no justice to it. It's not an equal and fair sacrifice. That's the whole thing. Instead, it's the equivalent of, let's say, um, you're pulling a wagon. Elon Musk's wagon has one little paper envelope. And then a wagon pulled by a two-year-old has two tons worth of bricks in it. There is no justice in that. So, yes, scrap the payroll tax cap. Um, One question is, why shouldn't the retirement age be raised? Well, it already has been, actually. Um, And what you have to see is that to raise Social Security's full retirement age from 67 to 69 would basically constitute a 13% across-the-board benefit cut. It wouldn't matter what age a worker retired. It's also unfair to low-income workers and minorities who work, say, maybe in in more physically demanding jobs, taking more wear and tear on their body. All right? When my folks came of age, retirement age was 65. For me, full retirement age would be almost 67, like two months shy of it. There is no justice in that. It says here, quote, should rich people continue to collect Social Security or should it be means-tested? Which is one of the things that Rick Scott wants. Um, no, it should not be means tested. All right. Uh, problem with means testing is that quite a few middle class quote middle class retirees, those with household incomes starting at fifty grand, many of whom could not afford to forego the Social Security benefits, but they would actually lose a large part of it. And so, you know, once again, that's just not going to work. And besides. You shouldn't means test something that's an insurance policy. You, know, you means test something if it's welfare. This isn't welfare. No matter what the Republicans say, this is an insurance policy. It's your right. So, no, there should be no means test. Um, and so some say that uh, Social Security's COLA is too generous. Should it be reduced? No. It should not be reduced it just helps you helps you basically retain the value of that check and nothing more okay all right excuse me take a little drink here again before it gets dry the last question here what are the values that underlie social security you know what i don't need to read this i can just tell you straight up the values about Social Security is decency. This is about acknowledging the fact that we live in a society where 
employers are allowed to pay next to nothing, not provide benefits. We don't have health care. And um, this prevented elderly people from basically having to work until they drop dead at the job. That's it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. This is also about putting money into a an insurance policy that, no, Wall Street cannot steal. And it's about having a tax structure that actually benefits us, put bluntly. Okay? So, you know, once again, this all this was from quite uh from Social Security Works. Okay. Uh there's a fact sheet also on Medicare trustees. You can check it out yourself, but let's let's give a look see real fast. And this is from August twenty twenty one. Um the key findings uh from the twenty twenty one trustees report were were the following. One, social Quote, Social Security is a large accumulated surplus, and two, Social Security is extremely affordable and will continue to be throughout the 21st century and beyond, notwithstanding the continuing challenges to our nation from the COVID pandemic. goes on to say, quote, in three quarters of a century, uh, in 2095, Social Security will constitute around 5.9% of GDP gross domestic product. That is considerably lower as a percentage of GDP than Germany, Austria, France, and most other industrial countries, industrialized countries spend on their counterpart programs today. Um, the 2021 trustees report protects Social Security's projects. I'm sorry that Social Security's reserves are 2.9 trillion with a T. Um, they maintain the reserve to make sure that all benefits will continue to be paid, regardless of the state of the economy. Social Security has never missed a payment in its 86-year history. The 2021 report shows that, quote, that Social Security is fully funded for more than a decade, around 89% funded for the next 25 years, and around 83% funded over the next 50 years, and around 80% funded over the next 75 years. And that's as documented by www.socialsecurityadministration.gov. So much for millennials worried that Social Security is going to go broke. It's a lie. The only way that would happen is if we allow these goddamn Republicans to steal it out from under. That's it. Put bluntly. The Medicare trustees report, um, again, more efficient than private sector insurance. According to 2021, Medicare trustees spent, quote, just a penny of every dollar collected and spent in 2020 on administrative costs. The other 99 cents, in other words, of each dollar, are spent on health care. In contrast, the administrative costs of private health insurance are generally more than 12%. Indeed, it took the Affordable Care Act to limit insurance companies to spending no more than 20% on patient premiums on administrative costs, end quote. Again, stop lying about this. Okay. Now, Nancy Altman is the president of Social Security Works. You want to look this stuff up. She's also the chair of the Strength and Social Security Coalition. Ms. Altman has a 45-year background in the areas of Social Security and private pensions. She, is a fac- she has been a faculty member at a little place called Harvard University. 
Nancy Altman also ironically served as, quote, Alan Greenspan's assistant in his position as chairman of the so-called Greenspan Commission, the bipartisan commission whose recommendations formed the basis of the Social Security Amendments of 1983. So she was there when Reagan and Greenspan pulled this crap. So she is actually well-versed in calling out the lies. She's also the co-author of a book called Social Security Works for Everyone, Protecting and Expanding America's Most Popular Social Program from the New Press. She's a co-author along with Eric uh, R. Kingson. Um, once again, look it up yourself. All right. Now, whoops. Uh, we've been talking a while. Now we're going to go to Rick Scott. Okay. Now, Rick Scott's plan, uh, we're not going to go over it in gory detail today because this other stuff took longer than I thought it would. Okay. I downloaded Rick Scott's 11-point plan. Okay? Downloaded it. 31 pages. And there, a lot of it is echoes um, the MAGA morons platform okay it just does but it's point number six that is the most dangerous point number six has to do with government reform and debt okay so reading straight from it quote many government agencies should be either moved out of washington or shuttered entirely yesterday's old government is fundamentally incompatible with the digital era the permanent ruling class in Washington is bankrupting us with inflation and debt, so they must be removed. For you to have more, Washington must have less, end quote. Okay. There are so many problems so many with that statement is beyond belief. How is having a federal government, for instance, incompatible with the digital era? That makes no sense. The, the digital era would mean that it would, we could have votes more rapidly. So it's not contraindicated, but... When you go to point six, I'm going to go to the nitty-gritty, okay? And the nitty-gritty, gritty, excuse me, ah, hold on a second. All right, there it is. All right, here's the hard part. Point six, one of the bullet points buried in the middle, says the following, quote, all federal legislation sunsets in five years. If a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again, end quote. Now, for those, and this came from Scott's plan, for those of you who don't know what that means when it's something sunset, that means if you say a piece of legislation sunsets in five years, that means at the end of those five years, that law doesn't exist anymore no longer a law unless you pass it all over again. Now, this isn't just about Social Security. It says all federal legislation. This is so overly general, it's incredibly dangerous. Uh, in theory, any law passed, whether it's civil rights legislation, uh, whether it's health care legislation, maybe it's a law that demands that fossil fuel can't dump uh, toxic and carcinogenic, let's say, fracking fluid into our drinking water, it would sunset after five years, too. Now, look at this 
issue right here. You've got both parties that are basically held hostage to the billionaire class, thanks to Citizens United okay, and some others. They don't listen to any of us because, you know, we're not big money, put bluntly. Once they get an office, their job is to, they spend more time fundraising or raising money, collecting bribes, in other words, to stay in office. So we don't have representatives. And if all federal legislation is, is going to be sunsetted after five years, that means you don't have federal law at all. Think about that. This would be not only bad for little people, it actually would be bad for business. I mean, think of the chaos this would cause. Whether it's a multinational corporation or an American corporation, for instance, think of the chaos that would ensue, the free-for-all, if laws were going to basically stop being laws after five years. You know, even big business likes to have some sort of, um, uh, you know, predictability. This would be a free-for-all. This is not only dangerous, it's incredibly stupid. Okay. We're going to be focusing on that point more and more. Um, and, and once again, this is, this is something that should never, never happen. This idea, oh, and there's one other part here too. Uh, it says, quote, force Congress to issue a report every year telling the public what they plan to do when Social Security and Medicare go bankrupt, end quote. First of all, there's no legitimate reason for Social Security or Medicare to go bankrupt. None. And actually, each plan is required by law to publish a public report. And apparently, you know, Rick Scott likes to pretend like he doesn't know the law. He's an attorney. He specialized in health care law. He knows what he's doing. But I have never seen a more dangerous, a more dangerous sentence or a couple of sentences, then the following, quote, all federal legislation sunsets in five years if a law is worth keeping, Congress can pass it again. Well, if you're dumb enough to believe that one, I have a machine that will turn, that will turn you know, what, straw into gold. All right? But why are we shocked that Rick Scott would help be the front man for a major fraud? We shouldn't be, okay? We shouldn't be. And so that particular clause, we're going to be focusing in on more and more, but I wanted to bring that to your attention, all right? This plan also calls for basically, you know, cutting Washington down very, uh, quite a bit. If you don't have, if you don't have dependable federal laws, I mean, think about it. The, the discrepancy here, they're not demanding that individual states sunset laws after five years. This would basically turn the United States from the United States into a confederacy, if you will, borrow the the pun, a confederacy of independent states, and which really is a confederacy of dunces, put bluntly. Okay. This... 
Rick Scott couldn't give Vladimir Putin or the or ping of China anything better for Christmas. Seriously. You got to wonder how much money, how much bribes Rick Scott collected on this one. This is beyond the pale. And we will be focusing on that on some other shows. But then let's look at Rick Scott a little more. Now, there is this uh, group here, and pardon the ironic name, okay? That's the other thing. I'm going to cut this short soon because we're running short on time. There is a project called the Congressional Integrity Project. I know, the irony did not escape me. And they are looking at different, they have looked at different politicians. They have a report on Ron Johnson. They have a report on a few others, but they also have a big report on Rick Scott. So the Congressional Integrity Project, it's the part of their Covering for Corruption series, part two, Senator Rick Scott. And this is a special report. Uh, again, I downloaded it. It is, well, this is the short form, only eight pages. Okay. So, you know, it goes on to say, basically, Rick Scott, he's made a career <coughs> patting his wallet while he claims to work for the public. Um, and this report was, let's see, the, this is a report from 2020, August of 2020, middle of COVID. Um, and I'll just read from it. Quote, uh, Senator Rick Scott, Republican of Florida, has made a career out of patting his wallet while claiming to work for the public. Now as our economy spirals and COVID-19 cases and deaths continue to climb, the only numbers Scott seems to care about are the ones in his bank account. He's fighting against aid to working Americans and covering for the Trump administration's incompetent response. Also, he can continue his self-dealing, end quote. So this report, uh, excuse me, is part two of the Covering for Corruption series, and it details how... Well, it says here, quote, it details how Scott substitutes his own finances for the public interest while trying to distract voters. Um, We can't force Scott to act with integrity, but we can expose his record and stop him from misleading and manipulating voters, end quote. So it goes on to say, for instance, first of all, the foundation of Rick Scott's wealth, according to this report, quote, is built on historic fraud by the healthcare company he led, which was Columbia HCA. Now, the U.S. Department of Justice called um, the, def- the way Columbia HCA defrauded Medicare and Medicaid, quote, the largest health care fraud in U.S. history. And how did they do that? Well, according to PolitiFact.com, the company, first of all, they, when they wrote up reports, they said the patients were sicker than they were. They falsified records. And then they charged taxpayers for um, either treatments that didn't qualify for reimbursement or treatments that were never given. Yeah. So Columbia HCA did settle the fraud case with the feds. Uh, they had to pay out a record, quote, $1.7 billion with a B. That's according to the SunSentinel.com. Rick Scott was forced out by the board of the company. But once again, as I said before, the only reason he did, he wasn't actually convicted was because he took the fifth 75 times, and that's according to the Sun Sentinel, uh, and that was in a deposition that was apparently related to the case. Um, but even being kicked out of Columbia HCA, he still got paid off. 
When he left, Scott received $300 million worth of stock, uh, also a guaranteed 950 grand a year uh, on a consulting contract that's undefined with Columbia HCA. And then, get this, he got $5.1 million in severance. Man, crime does pay. Um, then, this report goes on to say that Rick Scott, that his whole fortune's built on fraud. Uh, when he was governor in Florida from 2011 to 2018, um, he made multiple decisions that just happened to increase his personal wealth. Um his, a trust where he kept his assets practically tripled in value, according to the New York Times.com. As of 2018, which was the last year he was governor, um, the, the entire fortune of his family was worth over half a billion with a B dollars, according to Politico.com. Um, and then his wealth grew as he served in the U.S. Senate. There are some new financial disclosures, according to uh, see, ESDsearch.senate.gov, um, and it shows that his net worth increased by, uh, wow, increased by over $55 billion with a B, which is like 33.4% uh, over what he would, you know, his first year as a senator. Um, they're thinking the real figure is even much larger than that. Um, and then based on information that Scott himself released, his <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> his personal wealth could have grown, quote, to four hundred and sixty one million six hundred and seventy two thousand one hundred and forty six dollars. That would be a single year increase that may have reached over a hundred and eight million. Now, according to this also, his family's combined fortune is even more. Apparently, Mr. Scott, Senator Scott lists 125 assets uh, under his wife's name at over a million each. And apparently, Rick Scott has a history of transferring assets to his wife in order to try and avoid conflict of interest charges. And that's as documented by the New York Times.com. Um, once again, you can read the report yourself, but it goes on and on and on. Okay. This is a man who should never, never be trusted. Okay? I, I do not understand Floridians at all. I'm serious. This man got caught and caught and caught. And yet, keeps going. There's another section of this report, more recent regarding COVID. Uh the headline says, quote, Scott and his wife made millions from investments in a pharmaceutical company that lobbied for federal favors and against expanding insurance covers, coverage and now price gouges for COVID-19 treatment, end quote. So apparently, um, Senator Scott and his wife were heavily invested in Gilead. And Gilead is the company, the big pharma company manufactures remdesivir, which is an antiviral drug used to treat COVID-19 patients. Um, you know, again, it does say that Senator Scott did sell his stake in Gilead in 2019 before the company began price, price gouging, according to CNBC.com. Um, 
uh, so you have to be fair, but keep in mind, remdesivir was developed with taxpayer support, and that's according to statnews.com. You know, once again, you know, it's also said that Scott's spoken out against mask mandates. He wants to quickly reopen businesses, so on and so forth. He doesn't give a damn about whether or not a lot of people die. Okay? Uh, the report also says, quote, Scott kept his wealth in a blind trust that wasn't blind at all and pressured the Florida legislature into passing a custom-made law to excuse his self-dealing, end quote. Again, you can read this yourself. But once again, this is lies, lies, and more lies. All right? Getting really, really sick and tired of it. So the reason this has relevance, and again, my throat's starting to give out on me a little bit, is because, once again, there was Senator Scott on this week with George Stephanopoulos, and he literally repeated all the talking points that DeSantis has given, that Marjorie Taylor Greene has given, and so on and so forth. And Martha Raddatz just sat here there and let him do it. She never once questioned him. She never once challenged the veracity of what he was saying. She never once said, cite your effing source. And see, that's the problem. We have mainstream media that will not ask the tough questions. They just won't. And, and, you know, their excuse is, well, when they need to interview these powerful people, if they question them, they won't, you know, those cut off uh, access. Yeah, so what? You know, the joke's on these powerful people because when I contact them, and I have in the past, if they're stupid enough to stonewall me, let them. It's a gift because it does require more work, but once they stonewall me, all I have to do is say I made X number of attempts to contact them. They did not respond. And now I can go and do the hard work of digging through the docs, finding the inconsistency, prove that they're lying, and then just go off on them. It's really that simple. But, see, that would require that mainstream media – in fact, I hate that term, media. That would require journalists to be journalists again. And Martha Raddatz, I guess, you know, she likes that big paycheck. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I, I wanted you all to know what was going on with this. Um, this is something that we're going to be continually talking about. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. You know, we had an article from factcheck.org. Again, when Rick Scott and other Republicans say that Medicare and Social Security will soon go bankrupt, that is a lie. Period. It is a goddamn lie. Excuse my language. Do not let them get away with it. Do not. And all I can say is coming up on this midterm election, I, I've been very open about the fact that I'm not really a Democrat. I'm a progressive, a leftist. Um, I really have no use for the corporate Democratic Party. But right now, they're the only thing, the only way we can actually effectively vote against Republicans, period. That's it. 
And you need to go and you need to vote against every Republican. And this is not the time to vote green. Even Ralph Nader said it this time. This is not the time to vote for some other small party. This is the time to understand, especially if you're white, that we need to get rid of these damn Republicans because they are fascists. Make no mistake about it. The party of Trump, whether they show a face of Rick Scott or, um, oh, God, whomever else, and they look nice and calm, they're still fascist, put bluntly. We need to use our limited white privilege to protect our brothers and sisters of color. We need to use our limited white privilege to protect religious minorities, including those who are atheist or agnostic. We need to use our limited white privilege to protect the LGBTQ community, to protect uppity women. You ever noticed when the rich go after programs that would benefit the rest of us, like Social Security, Medicare, in other words, having a pension so you can actually enjoy your old age a bit and not have to work until you drop dead on the job, uh, programs that give you health care that you've paid for, uh, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> programs that give some semblance of a justice. They always pair it off with social ultra-conservatism where they are going to attack people of color, attack women that want equal rights, attack the LGBTQ community, attack religious minorities, and so on. This is about the Republican Party that is determined to restore slavery. You might get a paycheck, but you're still a slave. Make no mistake about it. This is about the fact that the GOP has devolved into the neo-Nazi, neo-Confederate party. And you ignore these dangerous people at your own peril. Every single one of us needs to vote against the Republicans. And yes, hold your nose, vote for the Democrats, and vote like your lives depend on it, because they do. Make no mistake about it. I know inflation is bad. Okay, I live on a teacher's pension. I know it quite well. But I'll be damned if I'm going to make inflation my primary consideration while I see my brothers and sisters of color being picked off with AR-15s. No. This is about whether or not this is a fight between between cowardice versus courage. This is a fight between what is immoral as displayed by the GOP and what is moral, which is displayed by humanitarian interests, which, yes, do tend to be on the left. The only thing the GOP has is they want to criminalize sexual identity. They want to criminalize sex. Anything that gives you joy. Period. Because that's all they got. Put bluntly, their conservative values are nothing more than the old white male Christian privilege and nothing else. Nothing else. And you know, people need to wake up because 
this is too much like the rise of Hitler. And I'm not going to back away from it. Not at all. And again, as much fun as it would be to blame it all on Trump, this backslide started a long time ago, all the way back to 1971 and Lewis Powell with the Powell Memo. We're going to be talking about that more. I hope that you learned something today. We're going to be talking more about these lies. Social Security can keep working. They just need to stop stealing from it. And every Republican that signs on to um, this plan to dismantle the federal government, this, this asinine, this insane idea that federal laws sunset after five years, every single one of them needs to be criminally investigated because that's dismantling the federal government. That's saying federal law is only five years. Pure chaos. And it goes hand in hand with Trump's criminality. You know, this is kind of a final thought. Donald Trump stole documents that belong to the federal government. Donald Trump put our national security in dire jeopardy at an incalculable level. Donald Trump got away with it. He's made all sorts of bogus claims, and again, uh, not just Fox, mainstream media has pushed this false equivalency nonsense. And it is nonsense. If anyone else had done it, they would already be in federal custody. Make no mistake about it. There's enough testimony now to prove that Donald Trump was in on the planning and the orders to attack the Capitol, period. He knew he had lost. He didn't care. He was going to steal it. So, yeah, we do need to stop the steal. That's true. Stop the steal that the Republicans pulled. Somebody was stealing. It wasn't the left. It was the GOP. And every Republican, whether they're more moderate or not, when they hem and haw, they're making a monster, a Nazi bastard like Donald Trump, more powerful potentially. Make no mistake about it. You know, Trump tried to claim that he declassified those documents. Yeah, so? Except for one thing. There is one uh, category of security documents that a pres- no president can ever unilaterally declassify, and that has to do with nuclear information. And that information was in there, too. He broke the espionage law. He broke the Presidential Records Act. You know, good example is... I don't care if Barack Obama had in his possession, say, a post-it that said Michelle is hot. It doesn't belong to him. It goes into the archive. Even if we get all the documents back, come on now. By now, copies had to have been made. And you have to be an absolute, absolute moron to not realize that Trump probably sold our secrets to our enemies. Now, I'm not saying he did it. I'm saying it's a strong possibility. And right now, in order to save democracy, again, this is on another side, Merrick Garland needs to grow some cojones and indict Trump and the people that helped him, Eastman, and all the rest of them. Period. 
Trump needs to be criminally indicted. He needs to be forced to do the perp walk, along with Eastman and some others. All his assets need to be frozen, except what he needs maybe to pay lawyers and to pay for basic needs and nothing else. Okay? Everything. His passport needs to be seized. He is a flight risk. That's it. It's national security. It's not rocket science. I never thought I would be agreeing with Liz Cheney or General Mathis ever in my life. But this is about national security. And in my opinion, Trump committed treason. And I don't care what his motive was. Okay? If anyone else had done it, they'd already be in custody. That's it. And if Merrick Garland is too cowardly or too weak to do the job, then President Biden needs to replace Merrick Garland with somebody who actually will do the job, someone like, for instance, Letitia James. Enough's enough. That's it. And those of you that despise what I'm saying, I I really don't care, put bluntly. Um, We're going to be talking about these issues again. I hope you learned something tonight. Um, Next week, we're probably going to be going back and forth. Well, actually, next week, we're going to be talking about the looming election. Um, I can say I have already voted absentee, and I voted straight Democratic ticket. Do I like the corporate Democrats? Of course not. Well, what I had to do was vote against the criminality of the Republican Party. That's it. Put bluntly. Nothing else. And I hope that some of you learned something. I hope that you do the same. Seriously. Uh, I hope especially a lot of white women that are more comfortable, especially white married women, stop being cowards. You know, I know some that they can't listen to the broadcast because, it, you know, it, it, it upsets them. Well, you know what? Time to grow up. Right now, affluent white liberals, especially white women, they're getting scared because now what the rest of us have had to suffer through, they're getting a small dose. You know, uh, Tucker Carlson and the others, they're right on one charge. If we all stick together... That means uh, feminists, the LGBTQ community, uh, communities of color, religious minorities, and so on. So if we all stick together, you know what, Tucker? You're right. We do outnumber you. And thank God for that. Because when it comes to fascism, yes, we will end you. And we will bring back democracy. I hope you learned something. With that, I say good night, and whatever you believe in, bless you.